What's up, everybody? Another episode of the Art vs. Commerce podcast. Uh, this week, the notion of collaboration. Um, filmmaking is obviously, you can argue, the most collaborative art form. There's so many people on a set. There's so many um, personalities, desires, wants, egos. It's a challenging atmosphere to um, make something that requires a lot of individual thought, individual creativity and expertise, and then, you know, 50 people contributing to that. And the type of person that brings out the best in you and the type of person that makes you your most creative and um, inspires passion, inspires ideas, um, extracts that from people, creates an environment that embodies everybody at their best. Uh, I think that's what Ryan Booth brings to the table. I don't, you know, his um, his rise in the past couple of years has been great to see, especially uh, knowing him kind of before things really started to jive for him. And, uh, you know, he talks about how people, he just gets hired to, to, to come back and work again with more people just because they love being around him. That's the best way to describe Ryan. Soft-spoken, intelligent, um, thoughtful, uh, he's a hard guy not to like, and I think that he he draws in that that vibe. Of like, yeah, like I wanna I wanna work with you. I wanna hear your ideas, and let's let's make cool shit. And I just think that that is um, that's what he's about. So this conversation was really great. Um, I think you know as these podcasts keep going, and I'm learning what I like about them, and hearing uh, people's opinions on it. It's it's cool to like watch it grow and change and um, I think the conversation we had was really insightful, especially because Ryan, he's been a DP and he's starting to direct. And I think we had a conversation afterwards where it was like, you know, deep down, he's a director. And like what that means is that deep down, he is interested by the world around him, by things that are not filmmaking, by by subjects, by topics. You know, it's less chasing light and being enraptured in the in the gear and more you know just thinking about evolving his own philosophies on all sorts of stuff and so it's interesting catching someone in this moment way that where they are one part going through a transition but they're also honing in on their craft both as a dp which he gets hired to do big campaigns he just finished a spotify campaign that's doing really well so we talk about it in the podcast, but he got into things formally when at, at the age of 29, he created a, a, a short that was going to be part of a contest with Canon, and he ended up winning. Um, they flew him out to LA, and he got to be a part of a bigger project. And, you know, we talk about it, but just so that you know going in, um, from that moment, it was like, wow, well, how do I, how do I stay on set? How do I uh, continue to do this? How do I make this my life? Uh, and the, so since then, just in terms of, you know, a resume, he uh, is becoming very well known in the music space. He does um, something called Serial Box Presents, which is live recordings, uh, multiple camera recordings of well-known artists basically doing live edits. There's something raw about it because it's, it is it is a music video, but it's always, um, it's a live recording and, and natural mistakes that might happen or things of that nature. There's something very special about those videos. And uh, if you have have a chance to check it out serial box presents uh, just google that and you'll you'll come across a, a lot of videos at this point that he's done and that's starting to get him some notoriety where he's now do, he's now directing um, music videos using it as an opportunity to basically make short films um, hopefully try and hit some or throw a hail mary and work with um, some well-known actors who are just interested in the idea of 
doing music videos, which I think is a trend that's starting, and, and uh, Ryan is definitely a part of that trend. So, you know, you're, you're, you're able to pick his brain where he kind of knows a little bit more about the DP stuff, and then he's a bit, he's fresher with the directorial stuff in terms of how you deal with clients and how you, how you express yourself and what roles and responsibilities you need to be taking on and how you handle prep from both of those different um, roles. It's interesting where you have someone who's a bit more of an expert in the DP department, but he, but so he knows these things and to be able to talk about how he's approaching it from a director's spot, um, it's interesting because he's, he's having a conversation with himself, let alone me and then, you know, the type of conversation he's having with people daily uh, on set and doing, doing his job. So I really enjoyed this one and I hope to hear your feedback on it. Uh, you know, happy that you're here. I'm I'm a little bit not a little bit I'm a lot of a late bloomer like I just kind of like it takes me a little while to like marinate on things and then I'm not like in I all have facets a, of in life? all facets of like life. your personality like yeah you for sure like, for a long time? yeah for sure I mean it definitely takes me like I would say I have to like the idea has to cook for a while and then I'll act on it and a lot of times there's a big gap between that and mm. so for me I kind of I played music all through college and in high school and like finished up school and was kind of like, I, I don't know, maybe I should move to LA and do this acting thing or maybe I should move to Nashville and do the music thing. What kind of music were you making? I was doing like, you know, like a little indie, indie rock band. Um, and, and it was just like recording, like recording on my computer. Playing a guitar. Time. Yeah, just playing guitar. I played drums as well. Throwing your so emotions on garage band. You better believe it. Um, <laughs> and so, um, I had met a guy a couple of years prior uh, in uh, one summer, and he had a recording studio in Nashville. And I was like, "Man, I love music. Like, you know, I don't know. Could I come intern for you?" And he was like, "Yeah, man. When you finish school, like, give me a shout." And so I gave him a shout when I graduated, and he was like, "Actually, yeah. Like, I'm starting a new record. Like, I can pay you pretty much nothing, but like, if you come out to Nashville, like, I'll totally have you come work with me." I was like, "Okay, cool." At the same time, I auditioned for Friday Night lights they were doing like an open casting thing and it was for um a scene they were going to be filming in houston at the astrodome and they were doing like a so not, not like a big character no no not nothing nothing crazy and uh and i was like all right if i get the like the friday night lights part then i'll go to la and you know whatever and if i don't hear back i'll go to nashville and do the music thing and I didn't hear back from him when they by the time they said they were going to and the guy said you need to be in nashville at a certain date so i was like all right Throw my craft in the car, move to Nashville. Literally arrive in Nashville. I get a call from the casting you agent. Got the, you got the part. Got the part. Um, and it was like four lines. You're going to be in the locker room with the coach and, you know, whatever. Can you be at the Astrodome at like 3 o'clock in the morning, you know? And it was like, it was, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like, if I had left, turned around right then to go, I wouldn't have made it. So it was like, I'm sorry, I can't do it or whatever. It's really funny. So, but the point of that is that like film acting music i don't know i'm interested yeah you know but how i'm interested in what that actually means not really sure took some time yeah so i did record i mean i was an audio engineer in nashville for for almost three years and then came back um to texas and was an audio engineer for another three years well that all that must have helped you at least Knew how to make it sound good. Yeah, I knew like what microphone I should get. And yeah. like, I'm not, I was not, I've said for a long time, one of the best things that ever happened to me when I got into filmmaking was that I wasn't scared of waveforms. 
because um, a lot of the stuff you shoot when you start out is talking head stuff and cutting interviews together and cutting, you know, a little like commercial or, or like profile videos. It's a lot of talking heads. And I was like absolutely unafraid of, I can make anybody say anything basically because of my audio experience. So like I always felt like having like a sound background made me a lot less scared at the beginning. Um, Cause I see a lot of guys who start out and they're just, they're like the audio side of things is terrifying to them. Um, can't see it. Can't see it. It's really, it's kind of confusing. It's ethereal. And, it's like in, you know, yeah. but it, it, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like hugely important. More so, than half. Yeah. So I think it's, that was like really helpful for sure. But you know, I had no idea what I wanted to do. But, so you win this thing. Yep. And I, 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 how, how, how quickly did things take off or what, how, what, what did that lead to? And what were you going for? I was going for completing a short film, like completing a video. Um, that was like my legitimate and honest goal. Um, and I didn't think it was going to do anything. Um, and it ended up winning the chapter and the, the, the kind of the quote unquote prize was that, that you got to collaborate with all the other chapter winners, write the final piece. They fly you out to LA for three days and you get to be on set, you know, for the for the final production or whatever. And all that was kind of whatever. I mean, like, the thing that I took away from it, the thing that I'd never seen before was an actual honest-to-God, like, set. Yeah. You know, there's three semis worth of gear, and, like, there's 100 people running around, and it's three days, and it's all narrative. And, like, I just, I remember specifically after that job wrapped after that shoot wrapped sitting with the producer and me and one other guy were like how do we get back here like i, I this is so far from what i know like how do we do this you know and she's like she literally said like go home and like spend the next five years making stuff and like it'll get good eventually and we'll see it and we'll hire you for things we'll bring you back you know basically which at the time i was like <laughs> like <laughs> That's so far, man. Like, yeah. yeah, like, no, no, no. I mean, like, how can I come back next week, you know? And it's so, funny, though, because she told you exactly, it was totally correct, and I, it sounds like it was what you needed to hear. Yeah, and it's been kind of true, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's been about five years. That was about five years ago. And so I literally came back. I think the thing that I really took away is I saw, for the first time, all the things I was interested in, interested in music, interested in performance, interested in writing and storytelling, et cetera, et cetera. I saw it all in one place happening at the same time. And that I was like, okay, like I, I feel like it gave me a vision for like what I actually wanted to be a part of doing. And I, I did come back and drop everything else. Like I stopped, stopped with audio. I stopped with photography and really just jumped in and said yes to any video project I could be a part of like immediately when yeah, I got back to Cause Texas. like you get back to Houston and there's a, um, you like experience the big show mm-hmm. and now you're back to like your quiet backyard and you're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh exactly. man. Like how the hell do I get back? Yeah, exactly. Um, like not, not in a like, Oh man, it'd be so cool. But like, no, 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 no. I need like, this. I have to go back yeah. and I have to do it now, you know? Um, and fortunately it wasn't very long. Um, like cereal box kind of started at the same time same guy same group of guys encouraged me to like shoot the the thing and that's a nice marriage of yeah yeah it's and i mean it it happened because i knew musicians and i know audio engineering and i did all of that at the beginning and like i basically got a bunch of guys together and was like i need to know how to do this like where do you put lights it's different than strobes like i don't you know it's like the difference between tennis and racquetball like Mm. 
you know, if you play tennis, like you play racquetball, like you'll lose every time. And so I knew like, I knew just enough to be dangerous. Like, so how do I, I started being a little intentional about learning from guys that were immediately around me. Um, and kind of out of that started doing personal work and that personal work ended up getting seen. We worked with a band, we did performance videos. We did performance video with a band who happened to be from New York. Um, and I had a direct connection all at the beginning, all your personal work is directly connected to someone that, you know, and I, I knew this band from college, they moved to New York, they were coming through Texas and we did a performance video with them. And when they got to New York, they were saying, Oh man, like we just did this thing with these guys and they were really great. They were talking to some of their friends and it happened that one of their friends was a producer at VH1 and saw it and was like, actually, we want to do our reality TV show promos in the similar kind of way. And so they called up and for the next two years, I did like 15 like promos for MTV and VH1 reality TV shows. <laughs> and it was horrible. Yeah, but it's funny how that stuff, because it's like, how do you, I find a lot of people ask, how do you get, how'd you get that job? Right. And it's like, honest, to tell you how I really got that job, we have yeah. to go through five layers of relationships and so many projects because yeah. of this led to that and yeah it's a matter of just constantly doing yeah it is yeah and it's a it's a rat's nest to untangle like mm. there is no direct line from like i was doing this and then i did this like even condensing the like beyond the still story into like a five minute thing is like not it wasn't that linear, you know, and the like coming home and quitting everything and doing the thing sounds like a nice little story. But like it was like gut wrenching and required a ton of soul searching to go. Do I really want to spend the last six years I've spent doing audio engineering, which I'm pretty damn good at at this point? I'm doing 40 records a you year. You see a future in it? I could. I could absolutely do this as a career. I'm good enough to do it as a career. I'm getting to the point. It's been six years. I'm starting to work with interesting people getting do I really want to like ditch that to do filmmaking the answer was yes but like how do you do that like financially you went from knowing like what your year was going to look like sure to to not knowing anything totally and how how'd you figure how'd you how'd you figure that part out and I, I would imagine and correct me if I'm wrong but the audio stuff is less freelance in the sense of constantly negotiating or am I wrong um there, I would say there is a probably a it feels more standardized than filmmaking, right? For uh, me, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, the, and it's it's a lot of hourly based negotiation. So the negotiation often has less to do with your rate as a, as much as it has to do with time. Yeah. So a lot of engineers at my level more or less get paid the same amount from an hourly standpoint, you're just literally like negotiating how long can I work on this project? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, cause I was going to say, you know, just that ability to get a sense of, cause it's, it's daunting. Cause not only do you have to get a sense of all, obviously all of the technical mm -hmm. proficiency that you need to be a DP or to, to direct or anything like that, but it's also, how do you quantify that? Yeah. How do you charge for that? And how do you charge for like where, where you're at now, but where you want to be? And right. Where, where do you think the, the, the business acumen came from in the beginning. I would say the guy I worked for in Nashville, I would call a, a mentor for sure in terms of the things I learned from him that translate now is he had been, he had been at that point working for himself for 20 years. And so he had a very kind of, he had a pretty structured plan in terms of like, um, cause it's easy. A lot of times 
when money comes in to think like, well, I'm doing great, um, but not budgeting accordingly for the times when money's not coming in. So I think for me, the things at the beginning were just knowing that like the the income's going to be a wave. And so you like have to set your, yeah. your kind of budget, which sounds foundational, but it's like, it sounds easy, but it's really not. It's really tough, you know, to do. But I, I would say for me, um, I like one of the things I'm probably the most proud is I've like never had a W2. <laughs> like I've like never worked for someone. Um, yeah. Like I've been since I like got out of school, I've been working for myself the entire time Same. in some capacity. Yeah. Three different industries now, but like I've been working for myself. So, and I'm, I'm I, like admittedly not amazing at it. I am not like first a business person there are some guys who but are who like would be like because that was the thing and i've met some amazing business in, people in but as the creator of the artistic form like not as the ep or the producer i'm talking about the 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 dp himself i've met there's well i guess it's probably they're probably more of unicorns but i've met okay. two or three guys <laughs> to, the guy i will say the guys who are the most successful at the the like the business side of things are the ones who view the running the business part as an extension of the creative craft as opposed to like, yeah, I have to do this so I can keep doing the thing. They're the guys who go like putting like negotiating. I find as enjoyable as like lighting. Yeah. Well, because it can, because it, obviously there's negotiating of the price of the mm. budget or your rate or whatever, but then past that there's negotiating of creative. Yeah, totally. And so like that is the thing that I'm really interested in because it's as you get better and you're honing in on your aesthetic you're also getting bigger and the clients are getting more particular mm -hmm. and they have more leverage because they're paying you more yep. and it's like how are you like you know the people that i admire and the, and the work that i like it, you can see the artist's uh hand in everything mm -hmm. but it's like how are they managing um when everybody else is you know telling them to do it 10 different ways yeah. like how are how are you um still making it a ryan booth product when you have all these other agents that are pulling it away from that thing i i mean the backstory to that question would be like getting to the point i would say it's taken me about five years four and a half years to get to the point where i can even say this is a ryan booth product mm. Um, I think that for me has been the work um, that I've spent the most time and a lot, uh, I would say for about half, maybe three quarters of the last few years, maybe three years, the way that I, that was, I kind of undertook that goal was just saying yes to everything, literally yes, like the answer is yes. If I'm available, the answer is yes. And then I, f I felt like it shifted about a year ago where it was now, it's more important to say no. Um, to as many things as I possibly can say no to. And I'm, I, of course, all of this being an imperfect process. Like yeah. I said yes to some things I shouldn't have. I said no to some things I probably shouldn't have. Like, um, But kind of making that switch to saying no, I feel like has kind of pushed the last year forward in a very different way than saying yes did. And now I'm getting to the point where I'm going, okay, like I'm starting to get asked to be involved in much more sophisticated, many more moving pieces, many creative voices involved. Like, how do I like keep my, I mean, I have a project on the table right now in which I just got off a phone call in which 
I walked away from it going, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to like, I got hired because they wanted me to make the thing. And the way that I just heard them structure, like structure the actual shoot, I don't know if I can make it and it be me. Like, I don't think it will be, I don't think they're going to get what they're paying for because of the way that they want to structure the shoot. I just don't. And I could not have said that. I could not have had that feeling a year ago, for sure. I wouldn't have known that. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, do I say yes anyway, because there's other factors involved? Or do I like, do I legitimately need to walk away from one of the biggest clients, biggest actors I've ever gotten to work with because I think structurally it's not going to, it's not going to work. When you, say, I, when you say structurally, what are the, what is it about the structure that you're concerned with? They're making me use crew guys. I don't know. Hmm. Um, cause it's union. Um, no, because the talent has leverage over the project okay. and wants certain people on the job. And I have to decide like, I won't be able to shoot it. I'll have to only direct it, and I won't be able to DP it. Mm -hmm. And everything I've done so far that I've directed, I've DP'd. And I want to split the directing and DPing. I want to bring it's on tough. DPs, but I don't want to be told who my DP has to be. I yeah. want to pick my DP, and I'm not getting to pick my DP on this. And it, it makes me go, the, the schedule is very tight. It's a very fast project. And I don't know if working with somebody who... I wouldn't necessarily There's choose no otherwise. There's no rapport built. I don't know if it's a good idea. I, I, my gut is I won't, uh, the project will not look like I shot it or made it. It won't look like I made it. And I think that that would be not good. Yeah. Well, cause it's interesting, you know, cause there's this guy chirping into one ear saying, well, this one might not look like yours, but now you've played at that level. And now you can say you've played at that level, and then maybe a little bit down the line, you'll have the same type of scale and scope and budget, and you'll have more leverage yourself to mm -hmm. be like, this time it's going to be more like what I, how I want it to happen. Right. And that voice is not necessarily wrong, mm -mm. but the other side of it is like, if you, let, if you bend over now, they'll know that you bend over. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I think for me, a lot of times the Matrix of decision making what I'm weighing is a lot because I, I do think that like, like we were saying, like you don't know how one thing leads to another. Right. And so sometimes you go like, like end of the day, this really might be a shit show. However, like the people involved, like if I can be assertive, creative and a team player, which are often in competition with each other. However, if I can kind of manage to navigate this, the final project is not amazing. However, like those are relationships that I wouldn't have access to otherwise. I don't know, maybe like that's the one side, you know, that's in the one year and the other year going like making a bad video with big people is worse than making than not making a video with big people. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And you also have a family now. Yeah. And like, I don't know that I can't, I can't imagine because I don't have a child, mm. but like what dollar signs must be so much more tempting. Um, for sheer family protection. Um, I don't know if they are. No, no. I think for me, what feels, um, I, I've said a lot that I feel like having kids has been the best. Like I've said no more since I've had kids 
and in the best way possible like the the like basically the bullshit threshold is way higher like i can <laughs> i can like it it costs me something to do every project now in a very tangible way yeah even if it's just i'm away from my family sure. like um and so i don't want to work with people that are gonna it, i like why would i leave my family and kind of my life and go off and work on something if it's gonna be with crappy people and like yeah. you know if it's not gonna be worth it i feel like um i i would say the the money part i'm having to figure that out but I, I would say the way that I consider my family at this point is how can I still be doing this five years from now? Uh, you know, as my family grows, as I grow, how can I continue doing this for the long term? And that's actually closer to the same requirements as your own desires for your own career. Yes. In a vacuum. Totally. Totally true. Yeah. I, and I feel like that having those two things aligned is, is critical in terms of moving forward. Because I, th- I do think like um, I haven't known exactly how, you know, like when I'm c- coming just out of college, I'm like, I don't exactly know what I want to be doing. I know I want to be do so- doing something in this sphere, like, um, and it kind of moving forward in time has just been narrowing, narrowing, narrowing more specifically. This is what I want to be doing. Um, however, the overarching goal that has always been true is I want to do this like for my lifetime, this kind of work, work on projects, work on these things. And so I think that a lot of my financial choices, project choices are weighted towards like long-term decision-making. Yeah. And it's, and you brought it up and I was thinking about this too. I I feel like I've even brought this up on other podcasts is that like the reality is your days on set are the actual, is the actual experience. Mm. Like it is your actual life, Mm -hmm. you know, because you could look at the final product and yeah. Okay. So you press play and five minutes later it's done. Mm -hmm. That's nice. But you actually spent however many days with these people and like that's actually your life and if you're doing it for a long 20 30 40 50 year career then you know when you look back you're like was was i just miserable but the stuff looked good Mm -hmm. you know um i don't think the ends justify the means no at all it can't and it also you know not for nothing but that good or bad experience on set obviously also translates to the final product too it does and i i mean i think end of the day like your relationships with people are the thing that like you have the most control and responsibility for. Um, and like being, I've, you know, I can't tell you how many jobs I've gotten in which, especially at the beginning when like people are kind of throwing their weight around, they'll say like, essentially like there's somebody better who was available, but like we kind of wanted to hang out with you more, you know, like, I, I mean, I was told at the beginning, like, I definitely got some jobs because I'm, a, I was a more pleasant person to work with. And I've always felt like that, like, you should never, there's no, no amount of talent justifies being an asshole. Like, it's, I, I, I just, like, I kind of hate the Steve Jobs hero worship. Like, it sounds like the guy was kind of a dick. And like, I don't care if you invented like something that every person on the planet uses. If your personal life is a disaster and every person that ever interacted with you is terrified of you, you are a failure. You are an abject failure in my mind. I don't care what anybody says. I don't know. I don't care. Like it doesn't matter. Like if your kids think you're terrible, if you're like, if you're literally leaving a wake of broken people in your path, like why bother? 
I really feel like that. And it gets me really fired up when people are difficult to work with and think that their creativity or their talent or their skill justifies being difficult. It absolutely doesn't. And I really think that um, the reality of filmmaking is the only thing, it's exactly what you said, the only thing you have is the process. The final product oftentimes is well out of your control. There's so many things that go into that final video that you're not going to be able to like be in control of. Mm. So many cooks in the kitchen, who knows what, who, uh, you know, like, I don't know, like the creative director could have like had a big fight with his wife the night before and is just being arbitrary and like you end up with a piece of crap video. Who cares if the actual set, like making the thing was a worthwhile experience, then like, I, I really think you've gotten what you need out of that project. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that then because, it, it, you know, I, th I hope it's even translating within the podcast, but just your candor and demeanor and that doesn't change in a high pressure situation that I've seen you, that I've, that I've seen you be, be involved in. And so like, you know, when you start working on these bigger jobs and there's a client that is needy and there's an agency that is pushy like, what is your mantra or, or philosophy in, in terms of dealing with that and also getting a result that you want instead mm. of just being pushed around and kind of made to a, be a puppet? Sure. I mean, I think it starts prior to agreeing to do a job. I think if people are honest, it's easy to get, it's easy to get kind of starry-eyed about certain agencies or certain directors or certain actors or whatever or certain budgets or certain distribution like this thing's going to be seen by so many people it's easy to let those things like bury the red flags that you know are there so I think for me it's being really honest up front yeah it would be amazing if this project were to go perfectly but I have a very distinct sense this is going to be bad you know so like saying no prior to like being bad is a huge part of like being able to navigate that on set but I think if you end up on set I mean I think for me my goal is always to find out like what why do you want what you want I don't care like you can tell me the specifics but the specifics of like you're saying you want this person to do this thing like I'm less interested in you and like doing that thing for you as much as I want to know like why do you want that because if I can figure out like what the pressure on that person is, they may want it because their boss asked for it and like they really, really need to like impress their boss with this job, you know. Um, you never know like what kind of pressures other people are under. And I think that um, for me, getting at the, the why questions is my, that is the energy I spend on set. Why do you want the thing that you want? And once we can come to, an agreement on once we can like see I can see where you want this thing to go or why you want this thing like there may be a better way to get there and you and I are now headed in the same direction so the specifics like if we can get on the same page the specifics a lot of times can work themselves out there's always a way yeah. to like they get bogged down in the specific I always find that the bigger the bigger battle is that the people on the actual production creative side director DP mm. are like they're trying to figure out the macro philosophy mm -hmm. because that will indicate everything else. Yes. And people on, on client or agency side are, they are, they, they, they don't, 
Not that they don't think in that way, but they don't communicate in that way. Right. They communicate much more directly. Right. And like you're just trying to figure out, but why? And they're try- they're telling you exactly, you know, that we need to pan left. Mm-hmm. And you're like, but that I, you know, what's the philosophy in using a pan in the first place? Right. And so, um, yeah. I, I get mean, that. sometimes I will. Sometimes I will literally say, "I will do it your way," and then I will do it my way. Like that's interesting. Like, cool. I will pan left. I'll give you a pan left. And I, I, I call it a see what you see. I always ask for a see what you see, which is I'll do it your way. Then you give me one take and I just see what I see. And I cannot tell you how many times that that take ends up in the final cut. That's actually a great way to go about it because they also, because then the bigger discussion of ego. Yeah. Because a lot of times at that point, they're like, well, I just want to see it done my way because it was my idea. Totally. And you are, you're giving them that. Yes, and that's that's huge. Yeah, I, I mean, people want to have their like ideas validated. End of the day, you want to go like, hey, it's it is it's a very vulnerable thing to say. Hey, maybe we could do this, and everybody look at you and go like, okay, that's a terrible idea. I mean, every I don't care if you're like the biggest person on the planet. If people look at you universally, and go that's a stupid idea. You feel like a little like ooh, you know, almost like a little. It shuts you down. It shuts you down. You're a little bit more hesitant to make a suggestion the next time. And I feel like maintaining a very open environment on set where you can, like, where you really legitimately have the freedom to throw out a bad idea. It's creatively safe. It's critical to getting to, because I I mean, do you ever, when you sit down and want to make something on your own, is your first idea ever the idea that's like the one? Yeah. No. Of course not. You have to work your way through a ton of crap before you get to the thing that's good. And so, like, with people, when and it's in, it's really hard when there's money on the line, when there's jobs on the line, but going like, hey, like, we have a specified amount of time to do this thing. So, like, let's hurry up. Like, let's not sit here and, like, debate semantics. Let's get going because we got a lot of crap to work through so that hopefully by the end of the time that we have to shoot this, we got the moment. Like, Mm -hmm. and I just think that like, you know, getting out of your head on set as much as possible for me is the way that I find that the, like the best work rises to the surface. Yeah. And that's, that's on set where the clock is running and money's being burned and you're there. That's game day. Mm -hmm. It's, I think, uh, the bigger trip ups and the bigger discussions that's in prep. So like, let's say you've, you've signed on Mm -hmm. and you're like the red flags weren't big enough and right. I'm doing this right and and you're getting into these creative debates how where it's not like let me do it my way and we could do it your way it's it's more like this is it's before that mm-hmm. how do you how do you approach prep from a directing standpoint or DP standpoint give me both okay um, a DP standpoint my prep is almost never about specifics it is literally like, I feel like a DP's job is to um, take what the director is hoping to accomplish. I don't care what the creative director wants. And as a DP, I don't care about the agency side. I don't care about anything other than you are the director. What do you want? Um, and generally, I'm able to discover that by spending time hearing the director tell me what they want you know, like talking about the project, blah, 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 blah. And it's very, it's very infrequently about the specifics of what they're saying as much as it is like, 
I'm I'm determining how they're they're processing informa- information, what they kind of are hoping to accomplish, uh, you know, and that for me is prep as a DP because end of the day we will have a plan. Most likely that plan will change by the time we actually start working. So like yeah, we can talk about specifics, but I'm listening to the specifics to give me the broader picture of like what you're hoping to accomplish, so that when the plan changes, I can. I'm not going like, well, but you, you know, said causation. we were, yeah, you, you said we were going to do this thing. I feel like I'm putting tools in my tool belt about how to interpret what you want. Because when we're in the, like when we're in the, in the, in the weeds, yeah. like we're not going to be like you, if you're just being arbitrary and saying, I want the 18 K here. Cause I want this to, you know, it's like, I, we've been talking, like, I know what you want. Like this isn't working. Let's try this, you know, or whatever. Like, philosophy. I feel like You're it's philosophy. philosophy. It's totally, so as a DP, it's philosophy. And then generally down the list, when I talk to the gaffer, when I talk, you know, to the guys like the grip, you know, we're putting lighting lists together and all that kind of stuff. Sure. It's specific. It's detailed. It's like, it's based on boards. It's, you know, whatever. But like my relationship with the director is philosophical for sure. As a DP, when I'm prepping as a director and I've got like creative people above me kind of stomping down I think um I'm that's what I'm learning right now I don't know the answer to I can't like I what are the difficulties then the difficulties are um feeling like as a DP like I would say I'm in a unique position in the sense that I have not determined if I have to commit to DPing or directing um like I DP a lot and I direct a lot um as a DP, I'm further, I'm getting hired to do campaigns now. And like, I have two features that I'm going to be DPing by the end of the year. Like I'm getting to do some really great stuff as a DP, as a director, I'm still like proving myself. I mean, I'm proving, I mean, I'm using that as a relative to each other. Like, yeah, I'm not as far along. That makes sense. So I think the, the thing I would say my voice is clearer as a DP as well. And so a lot of times conflict for me voice is... Voice and aesthetic? In aesthetic? Yeah, voice and aesthetic. Like I know what I bring to the table as a DP. And I know if they are talking about wanting this certain thing, like I can very clearly and without judgment kind of go like, I, I'm probably not the... I'm not a great fit for that. That's not... I'm not going to be able to deliver that. There's so much power in that, man. Because I just feel like so many people want to say, well, yes, I'll do that because I'm going to say yes to everything because I'm a yes man. Yeah. And like, there's no, like, I'll figure it out. Right. But you know, a jack of all trades is a master of none. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, as a DP, you're like a really specialized instrument, you know? And so like, I think being as clear and specific about what it is that you, you as an instrument are, would be best used for, um, I think is, it goes a long way to making a great onset experience and then getting hired again, you know, but as a director, I would say the difficulties for me working with kind of creative is that I don't feel as solidified in that voice yet, which I don't like to admit, but I do feel like, and don't have a lot, I don't have as much to back up a firm decision. Like that's not a good idea. Yeah. You know? You know, what's interesting is that I was talking about this with Elliot Mm -hmm. and he was like, you know, you know, what's powerful Uh, saying that you're not sure. Yeah. He's like, he's like, he's like, it's it's interesting. (laughs) That big side is like, wow, maybe, maybe that's true. Cause he was like, you know, I was having these calls with clients and then we get off and my producer at my production company would be like, you know, 
you don't have to sound like you always have the answer because hmm. you shouldn't. Hmm. It's it's the bullshit detector goes up if you always have the answer because how, how can you possibly? Mm. And it's fascinating where it's That's like, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'll I'll look into it. I'll think about it and I'll get back to you. Yeah. And I'll hear your opinion. Huh. And maybe your opinion will help me figure out my opinion. Right. And like it's being being open to that and like letting go of uh, feeling that requirement. Huh. And like that conversation with Elliot was like, you know, fireworks were going off. Like, wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that... I mean, I I say I'm not sure a lot right now, and I felt like I've been doing it wrong. I guess. Well, you know, it's it's uh, everything's a nuance. You can't say not sure to everything. No, you, know, you, you know what yeah. you know what I mean. But I mean, I do I do feel that impulse to like say this is how it's going to be, or your idea is stupid, and this is why. You know, like <laughs> where where honestly, I feel like again from a philosophical standpoint, a lot of times hearing somebody say something specific gives you insight into like what are they hoping to accomplish um and i feel like if you're open and if you're honest and listening like really listening to the like the kind of what people are saying there is often a good thing in any like i'm i'm in posts on three videos right now and i'm getting the most specific notes from like the creative teams basically and i've i can't tell you how many times like that the like the overall impulse of the notes is actually good. The specifics are not always good. And so I may fight on the specifics, but go, you know what? Like, you're right. Like this, this scene isn't working. Um, now I may need to go away and figure out how to make it work. Um, it may not be that like, it should be this, this, and this, what you said to do, but I think you're right. I no, think it's not so working. True. That's so true. I, Cause I, I, a lot of times if I get a, you know, you send in the first cut, and then you get the email back, and the second that you open it up, it's long, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Oh fuck!" Mm-hmm. Um, and and you can't help but have an emotional response, and you're like, "They're attacking everything that I did. They don't get it, or whatever." Sure. And as you read it, you can get bogged down in the specifics. And you're like, "Well, that's not a good fix, and that's not a good fix." And now yeah. you're starting to get like either angry or upset or disappointed, whatever yeah. it is. And it's funny though because if you try and like, well, what are they actually? saying Mm -hmm. what are they actually having a gripe about is that valid it probably is they probably don't have the right solution because that's what you're here that's what that's what they hired you for their job to (laughs) it's their job to as a a layman viewer right be like that's not working now they have a job where they feel like they can tell you how to fix it right your job is to be like i hear you that it's not working i'm going to try and fix it right the specifics well Give me, let, let me, let me get back to you in a day and we'll talk about like right. the new scene that I just cut. Right. But the point, the bigger point that you brought up that that scene is an issue, we agree. Yes. Which, I mean, as you, uh, like in terms of directing actors, it's a very similar process, right? Like, because let's say you're, you're directing a scene and like, man, it's just not like, I don't believe it. It's not working. Like, am I going to come into this actor and be like, hey, man, so if you could stand in front of the chair like two beats earlier and then turn yeah. around and go turn the lamp on, yeah. then it might be working. They're going to look at you like, "Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you that this isn't working. I'm not going to turn the lamp. I'm like, no, yeah. that's not, you know <laughs> what I mean? That's not the answer. That's not the answer. And I feel like that, 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 and I mean, like filmmaking is a hierarchy, right? So like everybody below each other is a lot of times like, I'm familiar with what you do, but I am not 
like I, I'm not a craftsperson in that particular thing. And so it's my job to be able to communicate to you kind of the goal and the vision for the thing. But, and sometimes the specifics may help, but for the most part, like that's only in fine tuning, it's fine tuning. So for the most part, it's me going like, Hey, I brought you into this thing for a reason. I'm going to cut you loose to do your thing. I'm just telling you, this isn't like something doesn't feel right. Well, it's funny. I feel like with the acting, my favorite approach, it's, it's not, it's, it's a it's a therapy session, it, yeah. Sure. Because like in a, in in for for like, if we're talking about like well uh, a performance being true, or honest, a lot of that is well there's something blocking this person from letting go of themselves and being this other written experience, and the ma- the micro discussion about the physical actions that they're doing doesn't doesn't touch on that issue. It's more like talking about what's going on in their very complicated head. Mm-hmm. And like it's um it's not quantifiable. Mm-hmm. You can't list it out perfectly. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like you know it was funny we were talking um last night and someone was like you know to I was directing someone and I told her to act like make the make the face that you, that you might make, you know, when you're when your husband farts. <laughs> and that and it, by no the, the scene did not have a fart in it, Mm -hmm. but it's like, these are the things where it's like, how do you extract something so intangible? Right. Um, and that's a fast, it's a fascinating challenge. I've been enjoying that more and more. Yeah. I, I, I kind of joke around that like, um, shooting performance videos with bands has been probably the best training I could have unintentionally imagined for working with actors. Uh, which I want to do more of. That's what I've been intentionally doing the last few months is is trying to work with as many actors as possible because I feel like, um, I mean, it's a whole other discussion, but I, I feel like that that is, for guys who started like I did, which is I grab a camera and I can kind of like, the, the technology is allowing me to be involved in way too many aspects of filmmaking at the beginning. You're like one, come from a one-man band world. A lot of times the performance part of, you know, the talent is literally the last thing that you think about. And so you have a lot of videos that look amazing and like have no soul or substance to them because it's all about a tone or an aesthetic or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And it's just, you watch it and you're like, there's no story or there's just like, it's not like it was pretty, but it has no meaning, you know? And so like, I've been really, realizing that that's my tendency would be to make it look good but not have like well that's the biggest real... knock on like a dp who's also directing of course yeah, yeah exactly so it's going like okay i really want to like learn how to direct because um, that's what interests me and so i've been working a lot with with actors on on purpose but when i do performance videos we do one take performance videos so um you know we ask a band to play a version of their song and often we're asking them to do it in a way that makes them feel incredibly vulnerable we don't allow them to use monitors um so it's it doesn't feel like it does when they play a concert um however we're not like we don't let them redo anything so like it has to be right and um and there's not a lot of people in the room as well which is very different for most musicians um and so we ask a lot of them we put them in a pretty vulnerable place and they do the version of the song and like 
I've learned from that how to draw out a better performance from the band without telling them, hey, man, that bass line, like, maybe we could, like, maybe you could go to that note instead. Like, I don't get in there. In no You're way, shape, or form would I have ever been tempted to walk in and be like, hey, man, so, you know, a little pitchy on the second verse. Uh, hey, guitar guy, why don't you do this thing instead? Like, I have no business meddling in their specific craft. All I can say is, I'm going to help create the scenario in which you literally can be your most truthful, honest, and therefore best, give me the best performance. Yeah. Um, I think that I didn't realize that that would translate so specifically into working with really talented actors um, because you aren't, they don't expect you to do their job for you. They expect you to create an environment in which they're able to do their best. Um, and I think that that's been really cool to be a part of. Well, recently. yeah, especially because if you're coming up the way that I feel like you've come up from the one man band to this bigger stuff, that's a very relatable experience. Mm-hmm. And so for everyone, the bigger, like we all start off with not directing non-actors. Sure. And that discussion comparatively to directing a real actor yeah. is, uh, you know, it's so different. You're, mm-hmm. you're, tr- one conversation with non-actors about like trying to get their head out of it. Mm-hmm. And another one is like, I love that your head's in it because this is what you do. Right. And like that creates, that's such a difference, yeah. you know, so the conversation changes drastically. Yeah. That's a good point. For um, sure. for sure. Looking back, it's funny, you know, I guess it's, it's been five years Yeah, and it's come to a point now of bigger campaigns Directing features, mm-hmm. or are you directing features or shooting? DPing features. DPing yeah. features. Mm-hmm. Where do you, um, where are you actively trying to put it going forward? And like, how how often do you, how cognitively persist, like aware are you of doing that stuff versus letting things just happen? I tend to fall more on the letting things happen side of things for sure. Um, for sure. I mean, I am not a super, super proactive. I have my five-year plan. I'm going to go do these things um, to accomplish those goals. I, I would say I do have like overarching creative goals. I mean, my I, I uh, recently saw the Amy Winehouse documentary, which was like, like it was it was amazing. I, I just thought it was like such an amazing. It's an amazing documentary, and she said, you know, I'm not interested in fame. I'm not interested in money my definition definition of success is being able to work with whoever I want to work with. Um, and I think I would say that's my kind of overarching creative goal. I don't want to work with famous actors because I want to work with famous actors. I want to work with actors. Like the reason you, a lot of times the famous actors are famous because they're really amazing at what they do. Um, and same thing with the bands. I want to work with the best bands possible. I want to work with the best talent possible. I want to work with the best crew possible. Um, and I think that my goals, um, as nonspecific as they can be sometimes are along that trajectory. That's my goal is to be able to, um, put in the time to learn how to be more sophisticated in the work that I create, more nuanced in the work that I create and to do it with better and better and better people. Um, so that hopefully, through the course of my career, I make a couple of things that make it into the like public consciousness that stay there. 
I yeah. think that's my goal. Yeah. Um, now how I get to that point, I'm not exactly sure. I have no desire to like, I don't, it's not like I, I want to be doing certain things by certain times. I want to make a certain amount of money every year. It's none of that. It's, it's like, I want to continually be acquiring the pieces I need to make something of substance that will last beyond my measly career. Yeah. Do you, are you starting, <clears throat> I know that you're only starting to hone the directorial aesthetic stuff. Do you have in mind like what kind of stories you think you gravitate towards? Um, either in terms of, either thematically or literally by genre. Yeah. Do you like, are, do you want to live in sci-fi? Do you have, do you have any? Um, I mean, I would say uh, Children of Men is probably my favorite movie like of all time. It's a I good pick. I feel like the cinematography is inspired and inspiring um, in the most amazing way that it is uh, never drawing attention to itself. Like even in their like massive, stupidly long technical one take craziness, you know what I mean? Even then it just feels like it is accomplishing the larger goal of the film. I think for me that's a movie that looks that like visually I aspire to and from a story standpoint I feel like I, I am definitely drawn to a moderate... I'm drawn to parables, I guess. It, it would be how I would say it. Like, um, a lot of times, a lot of, like, religion is built upon somebody going, like, I don't what 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 are we supposed to do? Like, how are we supposed to live? And usually the kind of teachers of that religion go, well, let me tell you a story. Like, it's never specifically about it's always about why are you asking that question? It's never about you do this and then you do this and you, you know, like there's a list of rules to follow. I feel like, um, and I feel like I'm drawn to parables in that sense of, you know, all of us at some point are going like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know how, like, what should I be doing? Like, what does this mean? How do I be a better father, better husband? How do I be a better friend? How do I be a better human being? How do I like successfully navigate a world in which nothing makes sense as I move forward. It's only making sense when I look backwards, like, and it's kind of terrifying. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And for me, the stories and the kinds of films that I want to make are ones that, um, are, that explore those questions and probably explore them in a, in a world that's just outside of kind of the normal one that we see. Um, cause I do think that's the cool thing about, sci-fi is that it allows you to comp contemplate things and not get super hung up on the rea the, real the, re the realism yeah. and the reality of like what the characters are going <clears throat> through um totally but i'll qualify that with i love really small stories about like normal people doing things because i think that um kind of the paradox of like the most important decisions that we make in our life is that they're tiny they feel super tiny. Very rarely are the decisions that have the most impact in our life ones that you're like, this is it, man. Like, this is the big one. Yeah. Never do you feel like that. Very rarely do you feel like that. Um, I think most common, it's just the tiniest. Like, I remember when my wife and I were trying to decide if we wanted to have kids and when. And I just remember this, like, kind of tiny feeling in my gut going, like, like, yeah, let's do it. And that decision happened 
in the most mundane, tiny of ways, and it has like absolutely changed my life. And I feel like telling those kind of stories about people making very normal, tiny decisions that then like bloom and open into this entire other thing. Yeah. Totally inspired by yeah. that. As as you're buttering your toast and like drinking a coffee, you're like, you know what? I'm ready to have a child. Yeah. <laughs> it's that, but it happens just like that. Yeah. It really does. And any number of things, like I think I, you know, like I, I've been sitting on this for a while and like, I don't know, man, I think it's time to move. I think we should go do this thing. And that can like literally open up and change this entire, or like, I'm going to stop. Like, I don't know what, but this person, like I met this person, I feel like I need to just like, I don't know, like I'm going to call that guy today and like talk to him. And like, there may be, I don't know. I just, I don't know how to describe it other than I just think it's the little things. Like there, there's a line from Vanilla Sky, which is like, is has really stuck with me in which the kind of like, I don't even know who says it, but he says the little things, there's nothing bigger. Mm. Um, and I feel like those kind of stories to me, I want to be a part of telling, um, for sure. I just, I think. Yeah. And the pursuit of, of telling those stories well is lifelong. Yeah. You know, because it it's is. such a hard thing to, it's the, the most worthwhile stuff is the stuff that's so impossible to quantify. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's what the big draw of this, craft is yeah <clears throat> i mean i think i think the fact that like you end up working with 50 60 70 people sometimes 10 i mean like you know we're doing a project right now it's just it's 10 people and i feel like the fact that like 10 people from all different walks of life coming together to like help try and bring this thing into the world that doesn't exist um that are interested about in kind of this discussion and the reality of like thinking through things that matter like how do we make work that matters how do we like add something to other people's lives i think to like come together with that common goal is like i could not imagine doing something else for work i mean the fact that like we can do that for work is really amazing um and i think that you know a lot of times that kind of like stepping back and being thankful, especially as things kind of start to feel like they move to another level. And then you're kind of in this imperfect process of like one foot in, one foot out of like getting to work on cooler stuff. And then you're back to working on this thing where it's like, Bleh. um, like kind of stepping back and going like, I, I mean, working with great people on things that matter is like, if that's the goal, then like I'm achieving that in all kinds of ways every already. day yeah. already yeah. you know and so Huge let's not away. let's not get so worked up on the kind of like i have my checklist of things i need to accomplish by certain times because that it's like the checklist of edits to make that's not the point it's not the point you know yeah yeah i don't know no it's great that's um i feel like a nice place to finish cool man i've been looking forward to this talk since we started discussing doing it like maybe a month ago yeah it's been great man awesome man appreciate it yeah thank you